politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen, to the one and only independent conservative show here at Blaze Media. Daniel Horowitz back here today for those of you who are yearning to fight for our life, our liberty, and our property. The way to do that, true independence. Stop focusing on the fake WWE-style wrestling between Republicans and Democrats. Let's forge our own plan. It is Friday, already the end of the week, October 7th. Where has the week gone? So we're going to be a little bit all over the map today to tie up loose ends on political stuff, issue-based stuff. The theme today, an ounce of principled opposition weighs more than a pound of controlled opposition, which is why it's so important we have intrepid, independent voices in this business. You see, you can't fight something fully against the odds that we're facing, the asymmetry, the imbalance in power, if you have a subversive enemy within. If, if you need to take a stand on par with that of the Alamo or the Great Siege of Malta, talking about being outnumbered 10 to 1, you'd be shocked at what an intrepid, united minority could do. Especially nowadays, where it's so easy to go viral and the bad guys can't help themselves in focusing on us. But instead, we fight for those that don't help us or subvert us or cloud our messaging, cloud our judgment. And now, the biggest focus for the next month, there's no one dominating story this week, but the biggest focus in conservative political news is some one or several of the Senate races. Are they going to win back the Senate? And it's like, really? The light at at the end of that tunnel is what? Mitch McConnell being majority leader. So now you have the worst policies ever with the GOP stamp on it and us caught in that body, trapped in that body of the Republican Party, and then clouding people's judgment. Think about it. Mitch McConnell said Ukraine is the most important issue around. And really, in many ways it is, but for the exact opposite reasons. It's going to lead us to nuclear war. It's single-handedly responsible for this energy crisis. And McConnell is going to be leading that. Oh my gosh, we just got to vote for this senator, and then it will be all better. No, focus on the issues and, and the candidates that matter. It's not a matter of a math. Oh, this much put together gets 51, this gets 218, that's meaningless. It's a couple of good people and good issues and good strategies makes all the difference, and that's what we need to identify. And that's what we're here to do today. Now, as I give you a 2020 vision on politics, folks, if you've inherited my genes of bad eyesight or you just uh, do a lot of research and reading like I do, Uh, You're going to need quality eyeglasses, so why not use America's only conservative company, Better Spectacles? They use authentic Rodenstock eyewear, the gold standard in the industry, and they also have concocted with special biometric intelligence uh, technology what they call big bio-intelligence glasses, which gives you a seamlessly natural experience that works perfectly with your brain and gives you the sharpest vision so you could actually 
process information, which people seem to have trouble doing these days, and allows you to see up to 40% better at near and intermediate distances. If you want what I have, my wife, and now my oldest son have, go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to schedule a teleoptical appointment. You don't even have to leave your home. Don't settle with your eyesight. Go big like I did with biometrical intelligence glasses. They're offering 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted rodenstock frames. Don't go with the other progressive uh, lenses, which are more like the progressives we know and fight. Go with Better Spectacles at betterspectacles.com slash conservative. So let's start with one Senate race in Georgia. There's a big debate in conservative circles, and, and there has been for many years. What do you do when, you know, you don't want the Democrat to win and you have a Republican that has a personal scandal, usually a sex scandal, and something that kind of reflects hypocritical imaging from our side? And in this case, there's this story out from the Daily Beast that Herschel Walker knocked up some woman and had her and paid for an abortion, and this seems to be happening a lot. And there's two sides. The one side is like, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. We can't look like we're hypocritical. You know, that's not what God wants from us. You know, I don't, I don't care. Let's just drop it. And then there's the other side. You know, you don't understand. This makes the difference of Republicans taking back the Senate. What's the difference? You have, you know, Warnock, the Democrat, is, is beat his wife. He's the same thing, except he's going to uh, vote for bad stuff. This guy at least will vote for our, our values, even though he didn't li live them. So you're stupid not to vote for him. Those are kind of the two sides. And I have a third side on this, which is none of it matters because perhaps the fact that Herschel Walker likely, I mean, he denies it, but the evidence is pretty strong, paid for an abortion, doesn't that kind of often indicate he is one of them? Meaning, yeah, he's not going to be a vote for the left like Susan Collins would be, but where is the evidence that Herschel Walker is one of us? Okay, he's a part. He he coddled himself with Trump. Trump supported the Wizard of Oz. There's nothing about him that screams like game changer conservative. Okay, he's kind of run of the mill. There's nothing about him that's going to change anything. People were all enthralled because typically a celebrity from the National Felon League is going to be a Democrat, so he was a Republican. There's nothing about him, unless I'm missing it, that's that amazingly exciting. So, like, I could intellectually understand that, hey, you know, whatever, he had personally fell short in the eyes of God, but he'll, he'll push for the right things. And intellectually, it's possible, practically, it's possible that some people like that exist. But if we continue to have these scandal-ridden Republicans that personally don't live the values they claim to espouse— Perhaps they don't really believe in them. And when I say don't believe in them, I mean beyond talking point depth, beyond skin depth, right? And this is true of most Republicans. That's my point here. Yeah, I mean, you had 50 or 59 intrepid, amazing Republicans and an amazing majority leader, and they had... Boom, boom, this is our plan on budget bills. This is our plan on COVID fascism, illegal immigration, fighting the Ukraine narrative, banning all the tranny stuff. 
redressing all our grievances, and he would be that way too. It's just he personally was kind of a hypocrite. I'd say, yeah, I'd say vote for him too. But that's not the case. It's not the case with him. It's not the case with most of the others running this cycle. And it's not the case with 90% of the existing Republicans in that Senate, including the, the, the impending majority leader, Mitch McConnell. So it doesn't matter. No one's asking, why is it that most of the time we're in this predicament to begin with? Of, oh, this guy who's a fake conservative, or this guy claims to be one, but he did the worst things and knocked up a woman and had 50 million affairs and then, uh, you know, got her to get an abortion and paid for it. This stuff happens all the time. Why are we always in that? Okay, you're never going to get Mr. Perfect. We understand that everyone has their flaws. I'm not waiting for that. But has anyone ever asked, why are we always put into these positions to begin with? I'm not giving an opinion on if you're in Georgia right now, you're in the ballot, uh, you know, in, in the booth, and is it worth voting for Herschel Walker? Do what you want. I don't care. It's not even the point. But why are we always in these positions? And the answer is because we accept whatever slop is thrown in that sewer pipe of the Republican Party. If we would actually focus on seeking out our people, that affirmatively, articulately speak to the core of our values and practically what should be done about them, we'd be in a different position. I'm not seeing too many stars. You know, even Blake Masters in Arizona, he was like, oh, no, there was no election fraud, or I don't see any evidence of it. Flip-flopped on abortion himself. Kind of weak sauce. And he's one of the better ones this cycle. If you notice in the polls, Carrie Lake is consistently ahead for governor, is doing much better than Blake is doing for Senate. And again, I mean, she has grabbed people's attention with a specific agenda, making very specific promises. And, and that's what matters. It's the quality. An ounce of principled opposition weighs more than a pound of controlled opposition. And when I say controlled opposition, I don't think Herschel Walker necessarily is a controlled opposition like, you know, the, the, the Grand Wizard of Oz, the Pasha of, of Turkey running in Pennsylvania, uh, Mehmet Oz, for those of you who don't know who I'm talking about. But I will say it's part of the controlled opposition in the sense that he's just the typical, oh, own the libs, oh, you know, they'll have a talking point about transgenderism but won't make a promise. We will not fund a single amount of, of castration for adults, not just kids, for adults. No, no bathrooms, nothing. We're banning the entire agenda. We're criminalizing grooming. We're criminalizing drag shows. Not just the female sports business. Not just finding some of the most extreme things of the left and then complaining about it on Twitter, but never promising to utilize the power and levers of power and the leverage points to implement outcomes. That's what I want to see. So until we have that, I, I, don't, I don't care about these false moral choice, choices and debates and whatever. But that's what we're up against. I want to develop a little bit more how this budding GOP majority means nothing. But first, our sponsor today, speaking of living our values rather than preaching them and then doing the opposite, 
stop funding those who hate us, right? You wouldn't vote for communists, but you are voting for them with your pocketbook, especially when you have another choice. T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, they are the worst. The telecoms are among the worst because they don't just support communism. They actually participate in the spying of uh, of us. And you know, T-Mobile has admitted that they, they uh, monitor our text messages. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider. There's no excuse for not switching. Um, they have the same mobile tower, so you don't have to sacrifice the coverage. You could keep your phone number. You could switch the same way you would switch to any other company, and except this time you get – here's what you don't get. You don't get funding of of grooming. You get funding of the sanctity of life, religious freedom, Second Amendment, and they actually have a U.S.-based American English-speaking customer service uh, phone number uh, for for customer service, which you often need for things like this. So go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Use offer code CR to get free activation. Again, patriotmobile.com slash CR. And if you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they actually believe in your line of work and have a special discount just for you. So come join our movement and make the switch today. So... All right, so Daniel, you're right. The Senate is meaningless, but what about the House? Oh, the House is going to be great. There's an article here in The Hill. The conservative House Freedom Caucus is turning up the heat on House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and the rest of his leadership team, setting the stage for what could be a difficult relationship if Republicans take back the majority. And basically, they put together a rules package that they want to adopt before the vote for speaker. Remember, the vote for speaker, everyone knows the dramatic vote that first day on the House floor, that's the general membership. But in order to be nominated, each party nominates a speaker. So you have a caucus vote, that's a private vote. Okay? And before that, they want to adopt a rules package so that they don't elect McCarthy, and then he turns around and has a crazy rules package. And what does rules mean? couple things. Number one, they want to be able to have any member could get a privileged motion to vacate the chair, meaning trigger a vote against the Speaker's leadership. Typically, in, in the House, uh, an individual member can't trigger a vote unless it's a privileged motion. So the Republicans got rid of that before because it was used against Boehner, they want to reinstate that. They also have an interesting idea of rather than leadership picking the committee chairs, to have the committee membership pick the chair. So if you all the Republican members of the House uh, Ways and Means Committee, they would go and choose the, the speaker, more bottom-up than, than centrally controlled. Now, as you well know, I don't think in the scheme of things any of this stuff matters. I think we're screwed. You're not going to fix anything at a federal level. But again, here's why it does matter. An ounce of principled opposition weighs more than a pound of controlled opposition. So those voices like Chip Roy and Massey and Marjorie Taylor Greene, we're never going to get enough votes to actually downright pass something that's good and then stand behind it in the budget bill. It ain't happening. But at least in the nature of the hearings that are held and the information warfare, the things we push, 
Right now, Kevin McCarthy will make sure there is never any investigation into the vaccine world, into Pfizer. But if we actually had people like Massey and Roy and Marjorie Taylor Greene and 15 to 20 others empowered, well, then there's a lot you can do. So what they're trying to do is clip the wings of leadership. Another important rule is the majority of the majority rule, and this is very, very important. So here's basically what, tip, what typically happens is this. The House postures, oh, we're conservative, so they pass a semi-decent budget bill. But then as the budget deadline approaches and there's a risk of a government shutdown, the Senate, and certainly the White House in this case, is going to balk at it. So who blinks first? Well, typically what happens is that the House, controlled by Republicans, will blink, of course. They say you can't have a government shutdown. And they wind up passing the Democrat budget bill. This is what's going to happen. This is what did happen the last time you had divided government. Or not often not even divided. This happened even when they had all three branches. Meaning... We have a gun to their head. We, we get the base on them. We get their constituents on them. Are you going to vote to fund the open borders, fund the Pfizer genocide, fund more Ukrainian funding, fund the FBI and everything they're doing to persecute Americans? Oh, no, 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 we're not going to do it. So most vote no. So they play a special game. Let's say Republicans, I'm just going to make up the numbers here. I'm going to make up the numbers for argument's sake. Let's say Republicans get 235 seats and Democrats get 200 seats. So every Democrat's going to vote for the garbage bill. It's 200 votes right there. You only need another 18. So what leadership will do is they'll get like the 50 to 75 biggest hacks, rhinos and just real establishment whores, to vote with the Democrats. So ironically, you'll have a Republican control, but the most important bills are passed with overwhelming Democrat majorities and a very small minority of Republicans. Now, a lot of that is fault is is a is a fake game. It's hope yes, vote no, because a lot of these Republicans really don't care. But they don't want their base on top of them, so they know uh, a number of Republicans, they're safe enough to fall on their sword. Boom, give the Democrats the vote and done. And by the way, this happened uh, very often under Trump. Trump would, would, would ask for a horrible bill, I don't want to govern shutdown, and we were like, you can't vote for that. And most House Republicans voted no. Trump, most of Trump's big budget bills passed with, with minority Republican support basically Democrats running the show, which is another data point people forget about illustrating how pathetic his presidency was. And people forget about that, but I don't. So back to this rules package, the Freedom Caucus wants to lock them in to a rule called the majority of the majority, that in order to bring something to the floor, and particularly these so-called must-pass bills, you have to have a majority of the GOP conference. So what that the reason why this is so important is it throws them in, them into oncoming traffic, which is exactly what we want to do. 
it forces them to either, either they couldn't muster it and they have to do what we want, or they're going to have to twist the arms of more people to show their true colors and we could target them for defeat. So these are pretty important rules. And again, they want them to adopt it before electing him speaker and hold that as leverage. Back to this article. It turns out that McCarthy has failed to meet with them. I thought this was sort of an <coughs> untoward response to their proposal, said Representative Dan Bishop. Bob Good from Virginia, another Freedom Caucus member, said that the request has been essentially dismissed without being defended by leadership. I don't understand, you know, why we would be asked to vote on rules that we have not seen a week after the election. That's what happened two years ago, and I fear it will happen again. The Freedom Caucus chairman, Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, said that he had a meeting recently with GOP leaders to discuss the rules change requests. I'm disappointed that we're still not really moving the chains here. We're not moving the ball down the field. So the pressure needs to be ratcheted up on this jerk, Kevin McCarthy. And another thing, and I plan on writing an article on this, and I'm going to need you guys disseminating it, one of the things we need to do to pressure this jerk is by making him commit to publicly demanding that the budget bill that's going to expire December 16th, right before Christmas break, that it not turn into an omnibus for the remainder, remainder of the year, that it be kicked only a month or two into a GOP Congress so that they could deal with it. See, Kevin McCarthy, if you notice, everyone's like, well, what do you want from Kevin McCarthy? He's in the minority, and they they they, they can't control the House. All, almost all the House Republicans are voting no on that budget bill. It's the rhinos in the Senate. It's Mitch McConnell. Yeah. But Kevin McCarthy is the most important person following this election. I mean, this is basically what the election is all about, to make him the lead opponent to Biden. He'll be the Speaker of, of Congress. So shouldn't he be yelling, wait a minute, you're undercutting our entire leverage. Let, let the GOP majority at me as Speaker deal with the budget. No, he doesn't want that. That's why he's silent, because he doesn't want to be put in this position where, uh, whoops, I'm going to have to avoid a government shutdown. He doesn't, but in his mind, he does. And therefore, I'm going to have to secure the votes to pass a bill that's going to fund all the tyranny and genocide and open borders and everything that we hate. They're going to fund it. So he wants at least a year breathing room where he could build up goodwill with these phony hearings that go nowhere, these standalone bills that he knows will, will go nowhere and die, and he could say he tried, and this is why we need to win the next election. If you have a budget deadline right away, it's an utter, unmitigated disaster to the rhinos because it's the ultimate clarifying moment. It denudes them of all of their loincloths, their cover. It directly puts them in the spotlight. Spotlight. You, you have the most winning issues, the most dire consequences in American history facing us. This is the budget bill. This is going to bring it to, to a halt. Are you with us or against us? They don't want to be put in that position. But McCarthy needs to be forced to take a stand. You are the speaker, and they are taking away your first year of budget leverage. 
if you really want it. How could you not even put out a statement? I'm not saying he would necessarily be able to influence because they only need 10 rhinos in the Senate and they have 40 rhinos there. So whatever, but at least at least make a protest. You're going to be the biggest name in Republican politics. But absolutely nothing. So again, this is very important strategically. We need to find ways. It's not a matter of, oh, a Republican majority in the House, Republican majority in the Senate. That's meaningless. It's how do we best empower, not the vote. It's not a math of 218, 51, 60. It's, politics is an art. It's augment the voices of the few who actually matter. And Kevin McCarthy is going to try to wiggle his way around that. We need to trap him. Trap him like anything. Next political news. Donald Trump, again, this is from Florida Politics. Uh, It's a left-wing website, but you know what? They usually get it right. Donald Trump, again, takes credit for lifting Ron DeSantis from 3% to the governor's mansion. Basically, they released audio from the Maggie Haberman interview where he was just bashing DeSantis and saying, he was a nothing without me. Again, is this really what we need? Is this really helpful? Is this really a man that you think is going to put it on the line when the chips are down? Fight all for for the cause for other people, not himself? You need the degree of intrepid, unvarnished commitment and intensity of the Knights of Malta or Travis and his men at the Alamo. Do you think he's the man? I don't think so. All right, so let's move on. I want to I want to go through real quickly uh, tranny stuff, uh, FBI tyranny, crime, COVID, energy. Let's try to pick up the pace here. Just want to end off the week with some of this stuff, tranny stuff. There's two important uh, news stories that just demonstrate how Republicans have agreed to the premise for so long of the homosexual agenda that they've allowed this cancer to grow to a point where it is so unnatural, but now there's really a lot of overreach on the other side. Will we finally, finally commit to fighting back against it, not just having a talking point of, oh, it's unfair to compete against girls or something? This is from the Daily Telegraph in the UK. A quarter of young people are LGQT, Stonewall survey suggests. They basically have a survey here, and I'm sorry here because I didn't realize it was a subscription. I had the article up, but then the paywall came up here, so I can't read it. But you can see the headline at the Telegraph. They have a survey out that shows a quarter of young people identify as one of the alphabet stuff. That's totally natural. That's just totally normal. Yeah, just like like being born right-handed, left-handed, blue-eyed, brown hair. Just suddenly this generation, it just kind of comes up that way. Related to that is the Daily Wire has new insurance data reveals shocking number of minors obtaining uh, castration. Reuters published a report on Thursday using data analyzed by health technology uh, company Komodo Health that identified the number of children who received a diagnosis of gender dysphoria, puberty-blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries in recent years. 
and they found that at least 121,882 children ages 6 to 17 were diagnosed with gender dysphoria from 2017 to 2021. In 2021, there were 42,000 children diagnosed, up 70% from just a year before and triple the number of four years before. So we've, we've tripled the number of trannies in four freaking years. Totally natural. But Republicans bought into this narrative. I guess this is what it is. Everyone's like this. We, it's old-fashioned. We have to feel bad. This is what they did. Everyone's a homosexual. Right? That was last decade. Now everyone's a tranny. And the next one, everyone's a beast or uh, whatever. Pedophilia is the next one. It's time to stop chipping around the edges. It's time to speak with clarity while we still have at least a majority of people who get it. Now that they've overreached and they've given us so many good talking points, but go beyond just the talking points. Memes are fine. Talking points are fine. If they're in means towards an end. Every state needs to ban them. Again, if a hospital doctor would, would say, I'm going to cut someone's arm off. We're going to have arm cutting day, leg cutting day, and not one that's gangrene. And it's of necessity. That wouldn't be allowed. That's not allowed. So cutting someone's balls off and then injecting and mutilating their body, which is much more systemic than cutting off an arm, what, that should be better? Well, at least don't do it for minors. No. For adults, too. I'm sorry. We wouldn't accept that you could cut someone's arm off, even an adult. To my knowledge, you'd be criminally charged for that. Why should this be better? Because it's codified in one of the alphabet things. So, this is where it's at. It needs to be banned across the board. Drag shows need to be banned with criminal penalties. Banned from the schools. All the material. Republicans control the majority of the states. They control over 2,000 county governments. And that's going to grow after this election. But this, the reason why it's gotten to this point is because Republicans tossed the fight. They agreed to it. Again, I say this all the time. When you have the opposition party that tacitly agrees to the premise of the other side, it boxes out any opposition and it creates consensus. You always need a standalone, independent, articulate, truthful minority that could become a majority one day. Because when you have an army with a bunch of guns where the bullet comes out the opposite end, the more you shoot, the more you kill yourself. That's what a controlled opposition is. But make no mistake about it, it is the controlled opposition that got us into this position. Let's move on to FBI tyranny. We now know 11 more people have been charged with this FACE Act, supposedly blocking the way to an abortion clinic. So they're literally just rounding up pro-life activists now. And Republicans just voted to fund record funding levels, by the way, for the FBI, and then give the Democrats leverage to pass an omnibus right before Christmas. Kevin McCarthy has not said a word about it. 
There's an interesting article from Mark Hemingway at Real Clear Politics. Armed and Beltway-ish. More federal bureaucrats than U.S. Marines. Pack heat. A reporter issued last year by the Watchdog Group opened the books found that more than 200,000 federal bureaucrats now have been granted the authority to carry guns and make arrests, more than the 186,000 Americans serving in the U.S. Marine Corps. 103 executive agencies outside the Department of Defense, outside DOD, spent $2.7 billion on guns, ammo, and military-style equipment. You know, I've always wondered, and maybe it's not practical, but the left has engaged in cancel culture where where the government works together with so-called private monopolies to box us out of goods and services. What is the one thing that we kind of control, one industry that our type of people at least control? Guns and ammo. Why can't we organize a pressure campaign to get Hornady, to get Winchester, and all these companies to cut off funding to some government agencies. I mean, maybe the FBI is too too steep of a loss, but I don't understand with the ammo shortage. I don't get it. They couldn't make that money off of the public that's starving for more ammo? Heck, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I guess the government has unlimited resources. What the FBI... So, but even if the FBI is too, too much of a hill to climb, what about the ATF, smaller agency? Just something to think about. Maybe maybe I'm tilting at windmills here, but but what what I will tell you is definitely achievable is defunding the FBI and auditing all of these agencies why they need these people armed, what are they used for, and defunding that and prohibiting it as riders on the budget bill. But there is no promise to even do that. Remember, in the Tea Party election, they at least promised. On some level, they had on paper a plan to deal with the issues of the time, which were Obamacare and spending. In this case, there's not a single promise to even do anything on any issue that matters. All right, moving on here. Drugs. I want to play here a clip as an introduction to this segment. Another one of the greatest hits of Yuval Hariri from the World Economic Forum on how he plans on controlling the youth of the next generation. Take a listen here. The big political and economic question of the 21st century will be what do we need humans for? Or at least, what do we need so many humans for? Do you have an answer in the book? Um, At present, the best guess we have is uh, keep them happy with drugs and computer games. So you heard that. They're going to control us with computer games and drugs. And we know that to be true. Drugs are not a good thing. And that includes marijuana. It rots out your brain. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm never going to defend that. People love marijuana. It's not, it's a bad thing. And there's a reason they're, they're pushing it like crazy. It's not because they want to be libertarian and just like don't want to spend money on the war on drugs. It's not what it is. Now, not to get too far into this because it's not the point. I want to make a different point today on Biden's pardoning of federal marijuana offenders. But for those who say, oh, we need to just legalize it, it's been de facto legalized. I would just say I'm all for that under three conditions. Number one, well, four conditions really. 
you have to legalize all drugs because the problem is when you have so much marijuana, but then the other stuff is officially banned, you have the worst of all things. You don't benefit from alleviating the war on drugs and you get people all doped up on the gateway. Number two, inevitably, yes, they do get violent. So we, ha- we have the right to shoot to kill. So you have to stop getting on our case for defending ourselves against them. Number th- The next thing is, if you're going to end the law enforcement side, you need to end the mollycoddling side. Stop funding Narcan. Stop funding drug treatment. Stop funding all these stupid programs. You're on your own. If you're going to be libertarian, then be libertarian. Then, then live and die in your own volition and leave me alone. So those are, are my conditions for that. But anyway, Biden pardons all these federal marijuana offenders. He's like, and he's like, I'm not doing it for traffickers. It's only simple possession. Any thinking person should automatically say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How in the world do you have all these, there's people in federal prison for simple marijuana possession? They're not even in state prison for that. No one goes to prison for that anymore, if they ever did. Just possession, not trafficking, and marijuana, of all things? What what federal prosecutor would spend the money on, on going after someone for that? Well, as you well know, these guys are big gangbangers. They're often wanted for murders. They're big-time cartel traffickers. And they plead down. So this is all. This is the old game. Biden's like, oh, this is terrible. We're just logging people up. Hey, buddy, unseal the sentencing report, which would tell their whole history. That's that's what the judge sentences them off of. But there's something more fundamental that's being missed here. Who are these people? Do you know who is in? Why would someone be in federal prison for simple possession, even pleading down? Do you know why? Because they're illegal aliens. That's why they're they're caught by the feds. They're illegal aliens. That so we're given this this impression that the feds went around for years to American cities, just all over the place, and just grabbed people for smoking a joint. And it's like that's the impression that's given. So people are very sympathetic. Yeah, why, why are we holding them? These are the cartel traffickers going over the border, delivering. marijuana but also fentanyl heroin that is killing over 100,000 people a year these are the people being let out they're the cartel traffickers how do I know that according to US Sentencing Commission this is from fiscal year 2013 but it's true every year this is the report I was able to dig up almost 91% of all federal marijuana offenders in the system were non-citizens okay that tells you something 91.5% of them were arrested at or near the border. It's straight up in the report. What do you think that means? The U.S. Marshals aren't going around the cities picking them up. I mean, maybe if they think they were at the Capitol on January 6th, they'll hit them, you know, for a federal marijuana charge. But otherwise, for everyone else, they're the, the, the cartel traffickers. Now, even if you want to say, well, okay, whether they're illegal or not, I still don't believe in filling up our prisons with marijuana. First of all, it's, it's small in, in numbers. It's not a lot of people. But, okay, we shouldn't hold it. Fine. But then deport them. Notice Biden never made a promise to deport them because they're not. See, I'm okay. You want to say, get them out of federal prison. But then 
deport them. Now, I would tell you it is important to hold them because you can't view this as a marijuana issue in a vacuum. It's a deterrent of the cartel traffickers. If you have no punishment, they don't fear getting caught. So then there's an endless flood and hence the current drug crisis, why it got worse. And the evidence shows over the years we are increasingly not, um, not prosecuting them. Again, no one supports prioritizing, especially federal law enforcement, law enforcement on marijuana possession. But I'm telling you, first of all, it's usually trafficking and it's pled down. And second of all, it's the cartel traffickers. They're foreign nationals. But if all else fails, at least deport them. No. You're, so the very people responsible for the death of, of countless people after the vaccines, this is like the biggest epidemic killing people. Those people are going to be released into the general population. And pardoned, by the way. And pardoned. So you know what that means. Not, not all, it doesn't mean 91% of them are illegal aliens. 91% are aliens. Most of them probably are illegal, but some could be illegal permanent residents, have legal status. But you know what pardoning does? It, so right now, if you're an illegal, you should be deported whether you committed a crime or not. If you're a legal immigrant, then okay, you're you're admitted in, but you're not a citizen. So if you commit a felony, you're deportable. By pardoning them, he makes them not deportable. So now we're stuck with foreign national trash on top of American criminal trash. You know that we don't need to be holding. We should be sending them back to their home countries, as any other country would do. If you have an American committing a felony in their country, they'd kick them back here. So. That's a very different story than what you're probably hearing in the news. Oh, you know, we're holding all these marijuana people, and then he pardoned them. No. They're letting out cartel traffickers and then not deporting them and leaving them in the country. And, of course, Republicans won't even touch this because they support criminal justice reform. Yes, yes, we love this stuff. Again, we could have crushed the left on the crime issue alone, and Republicans tossed the last decade agreeing to it and in some state legislatures going farther than even Democrats did and getting us this crime wave we have. That is the difference between a controlled opposition and an intrepid opposition. It's not, oh, is it half a loaf or a full loaf? It's a negative poisonous loaf. It's negative efficacy on par with that of the Pfizer shots. And, and by the way, just speaking of this issue with crime just interestingly enough, the FBI came out with crime statistics. They have this stupid new system. They went away from the uniform crime reporting, and it's very clunky. It's not as reliable, but that's what we spend money on. So I'm looking here, and I did some math here. The biggest reason why Republicans moved away from Reagan's view on crime and started uh, promoting deincarceration is because the only thing worse than Democrat Racial pandering is Republican racial pandering, and it was all about race. Oh, my gosh, we're locking up too many blacks. And it was always a big lie. It's not true. It's commensurate with the, the, the crime that's committed. Oh, no, Daniel. You see, we just catch a bunch of blacks for low-level crimes. Uh, no. In fact, if you go to the low-level crimes, blacks compose a much smaller share of that pie than they do the high-level crimes. And I just want to share with you the latest data. This is from 2021. Obviously, record homicides uh, in 2021. Horrible crime year. And I, I, I always do this when the data comes out. I want to peer, uh, peel through some of the data. And I did the math. 
among those offenders whose race is known, so that denominator, because there's some that we don't know or it's not documented, among those that's known, 60% of all homicide offenders where the race was known were black. Now, 59%, almost as many victims, were also black. I I believe blacks composed 13% of the population, 60% of the homicide offenders, um, 66% of robbery offenders, 47% of aggravated assault offenders, and even 31% of rape offenders. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just, it's hard data. That's, That's the reality. So it is what it is. We could debate why it's like that, why there's so many broken communities and that, that kind of breed this sort of criminality. But it is what it is. And, and the notion that we're just going to say we're not going to enforce the law because there's too many of a one type that get roped into that, it's not our problem. Okay, that's not our problem. You can't allow society to suffer for that. But Republicans bought into that narrative and at its core, Alrighty, so in the remaining time here, let's just move on uh, to COVID. COVID, transhumanism, things like that. At least 163 children are dead from the vaccine. 1,200 disabled, 15,000 hospitalized, and 58,000 injured in some way due to the COVID shots. That's just VAERS, which is woefully under reported just thought you should know that um straight up genocide republicans still won't talk about it um there's a study out a report out from michael sanger where he estimates that 30,000 americans were killed by ventilators in april 2020 during that panic it is truly truly scary how they you know they have people on the record just admitting that they ventilated people that were in mild, mild respiratory issues. They literally, people in their 50s had so much more time to live. And this is how their life ended. This is how their life ended. Another story I wanted to get to on COVID, again, a very, very important policy implications. The Obamacare of this election cycle, what would be the biggest thing you would run on? The biggest thing is the PrEP Act. Okay, that's what absolved the entire COVID genocide of any scrutiny, transparency, much much less accountability and liability. The PrEP Act. I mean, that, that you got to reform that, right? There is not even a single person I could find aside from Massey and these type of guys, but no one of consequence and leadership anywhere calling for even a tweak. That's not even on the agenda. In other words... Republicans will have a lot of messaging bills that they could pass with a simple majority out of the House that they won't stand behind <clears throat> by putting it in the budget. But they'll at least have a standalone messaging bill. This type of stuff, they won't touch it. They won't even have a standalone messaging bill. So there are so many examples of this going on of just straight-up malpractice. It's not even that the shots themselves were death shots, but even the terms and circumstances and dosages and you know, the way they administered the shots and mixed things up, it's covered by the PREP Act. This is from Iowa. AP, a state board on Monday rejected claims for $1 million payments, which isn't a lot, for 52 prison inmates who are given six times the proper dose of COVID-19 vaccines last year. 
The three-member state appeals board, which considers state legal financial obligations, unanimously denied the claims from inmates who received the extra doses in April 2021. They basically sought a million dollars in damages, which which is reasonable. Um, they're among 77 prisoners at the Iowa State Penitentiary in Fort Ma- Madison who had been given overdoses. And the attorney general, who's a Republican, recommended they reject the claims. And indeed, the board, which is composed of the state auditor, state treasurer, and the Iowa Department of Management director, those three dudes denied it. The lawyers advised that under the Federal Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, the Prep Act, the state is immune from claims arising out of administration of the COVID-19 vaccine. So let, let me just say before the fundamentals here, just as a small point, even if that's true, the state's got so much cash from the feds to promote Pfizer, to promote the shot, they have an obligation at a bare minimum, I mean, they should pay for all the vaccine injuries, but certainly if you violated the the dosages of it, the state should pay out. Yeah, I think it should be the federal, Fed's responsibility. Ultimately, that's, that's the source of all this. But if you're a red state, you owe it to these people. It's funny how we bend over backwards for prisoners. They demand, literally, they demand uh, uh, to castration. Several federal courts have ruled they have to give it. You give them six times the dose of poison on something that that we now have from the Pfizer documents. It was very dose-dependent. And yet they get nothing. We're exempt. But even if you are exempt, shouldn't you want to do that? State legislatures have an obligation to pay for this. They fired two of the nurses who did this. And uh, that, that, that was sort of the, the issue. I mean, could you imagine the cancers that will come up from this? But the point is, this is how sweeping the, the PREP Act is. Even, even It's not just, oh, you could produce a horrible product, but even if you administer the product wrongly, uh, there's been a lot of cases of this where people went in for a flu shot. We had this in the military, but also civilians. They went in for a flu shot. They gave them the COVID shot. They had very young kids that were given the adult, the adult dosage of the COVID shot. It's happened all over the place. We're a very litigious society. And often we over-litigate things. But then when it comes to this, it's all good. It's all good. How this can be swept under the rug without an effort from anyone in Iowa to say, look, we need to get rid of the PREP Act. So that would mean at least the Iowa federal Republicans would advocate for it. And at a state level, there's nothing stopping them from compensating. Oh, well, where do we get the money from? Well, your Department of Health has all that fascist money to promote the poison. You could at least owe it to the people to compensate them for damages. But again, I'm the only one talking about this. And then, folks, I have a whole long article out at Conservative Review. Take a look at it. The bioweaponization of the flu shots. 
I just want to plug that article. It's an important resource for you guys. Thank you, Aaron, for helping me with some of the links there. We have a bunch of studies that show zero efficacy, negative efficacy of the flu shots, <coughs> ADE, <coughs> original antigenic sin, tamping down your T cells. Oh, and that's the old version of the flu shot. That's before they get to the mRNA versions that they plan on, on unloading on us and the recent revved up versions that's unclear what's in there for the for seniors that's being administered right now what's in them what is in them special ingredients they say what's in them the flu shot see people are already on to the covid shots that they're a problem but the flu shot oh well you know we've had that for a while right we've been lied to about that and yes it's time we have a commission in every state Every right state, there's another action item, nothing stopping the executive officials from doing this, the legislatures from doing this, have a commission on vaccines where we audit from scratch without any preconceived bias. Don't go on, oh, that can't be, that can't be. These things are amazing. No, start from scratch. That each vaccine has to prove its safety and efficacy from the data. And, we, and, and, and any red flag needs to be picked up. I don't know where that will get us. But it's time we find out. It's time we find out. Clearly, some are more effective than others. Some are more needed than others. And some are more dangerous than others. They're not all good. Some have more heavy metals than others. I mean, what I'm telling you now is just basics. But, you know, Del Bigtree, he was he was pointing to this a couple days ago, a 2017 paper if you want to look it up, titled Pilot Comparative Study on the Health of Vaccinated and Unvaccinated 6- to 12-Year-Old Children in the U.S. It's not COVID. This is 2017. This is before then. The ones that got the child schedule vaccines, the ones that didn't. And so many people have been <clears throat> mentioning that in their doctor's offices, the ones that are willing to explore this. This is a paper. I'm just going to read to you what they claim they find. <clears throat> and I'm not buying it hook, line, and sinker, but I'm certainly not going to dismiss it. And it's, this is what needs to be investigated. Allergic rhinitis, 10.4% rate among the vaccinated population versus 0.4. Okay, one-tenth of the amount among the unvaccinated. Other allergies, 22.2% among the general, 6.9% among the unvaccinated. Eczema, 9.5% among the vaccinated, 3.6% among the unvaccinated, Learning disabilities, ADHD and or ASD, 10.5% among the vaccinated, 3.1% among the unvaccinated. Any chronic illness, 44% among the vaccinated, 25% among the unvaccinated. Again, I would have dismissed that as quackery in my old days, but now that we understand inflammation, autoantibodies, that it's not so simple to produce a perfect vaccine, it really makes you wonder. It's only the entire humanity and future of our offspring at stake. Not a big deal, right? All the problems that we have. But um, no one wants to get to the bottom of this. The more the issue matters, the more devastating the consequences of a given issue, the less focus you'll have on it, much less resolve to actually do something about it. And it shows. And speaking of consequences, well, what could be worse than a nuclear war? Zelensky was out there the other day, yesterday, 
and he said that we need preemptive strikes on Russia to eliminate the possibility of a Russian nuclear strike. So he is go after getting, you know, what like eighty billion dollars by now in U.S. aid. He is now goading us into a nuclear war over nothing. That guy is a piece of garbage. I don't know what Putin is or isn't. I have no love for him. But what I do know for sure is Zelensky is a worse, more dangerous threat to us than Putin is. And yet, the leadership of both parties are up his rear end. They'd probably engage in sodomy with him if they could. And on the same day, and by the way, if you don't believe our government would get, get us into a nuclear war, what do you think COVID was? That was a nuclear war. That was a bio, well, not nuclear, but it's a, on par with WMD, a bioterror attack on, on us that is going to have, again, they killed millions of people around the world. Millions around the world. And then the long-term fallout, just like you have long-term fallout from, from a nuclear accident or whatever, cancers and things like that, well, we're starting to see that. Interestingly enough, on the same day, BARDA, okay, this is like the bioweapons agency of HHS, kind of like DOD as DARPA. This is BARDA, puts out on Twitter, we purchased the supply of Amgen's N-plate, N-P-L-A-T-E, a drug to combat the effects of acute radiation sickness after radiological or nuclear emergencies. For more about how we leverage existing technology and inventory management practices to ensure preparedness, you know, check here. So on the same day, they start pushing a, a, a like a nuclear, a, a drug to treat nuclear reactions. The damage from the radiation. Do you know what N-plate treats? Do you know what it's designed to treat originally? N-plate, N-P-L-A-T-E. Look it up. Thrombocytopenia. Low blood uh, platelet counts in your blood. Blood clotting. Very interesting. So I don't know if this is the fact that they're really purchasing it because we have an epidemic of blood clotting from the shots and they're just playing funny with this nuclear thing or it really is they're preparing for a nuclear attack or both, but I could believe it because they already did the COVID nuclear stuff. So here's how it all comes back together. But I'm sure all these lovely Republicans running will deal with all this stuff. This is what I mean by a cadre of five, ten intrepid people nationally pushing focus on something that matters and a solution that matters is worth more than 218 generic controlled opposition Republicans led by Kevin McCarthy or 51 generic controlled opposition Republicans led by Mitch McConnell. And in fact, it, it makes you go negative. This is the message. We need to focus on the issues that matter and the way they matter and, and the time they matter. And the only way to do that is to focus our electoral strategy on quality, not quantity. It, it, it just amazes me. I mean, you think Herschel Walker gets any of these issues I'm talking to you about? Most of these people running for Senate, for that matter, and then some of them, like, like Oz, is downright a transhumanist. 
So this is where we end off the week. But let me know. Let me know what you think about this. Let me know what you think about the fact that we're always stuck with these candidates. This guy's caught screwing around here. This guy's caught doing that. Oh, but Daniel, it's worth it. It's worth it to get our values. But that's predicated on the fact that they'll fight for our values. (laughs) So then I could understand that way of thinking. But they don't. And part of it is kind of related to the fact that they don't live our values. So they're certainly not going to fight for it either. Just drives me nuts. Drives me insane. But again, anyone who listens to the show will recognize there's none quite like it. I don't carry anyone's water. Um, I'm independent. I know you guys are independent-minded. That's why I need you to find anyone who is looking for independent-minded talk. We're going to try to work on some of our state strike force teams. It's already October. The state legislatures are getting back in in January. We're going to have such an important agenda to push on health freedom, on grooming and castration, on crime, on border, on interposition against federal tyranny, the FBI, IRS. So many issues that matter, energy, food, freedom is at stake. We have all these supermajority trifecta states. If we had, if we actually focused on quality and what matters, we'd be able to accomplish a lot more. That is my goal. That's my mission. Outcomes are for God, but we got to speak the truth. We got to at least walk in that direction and God will give us those tailwinds. Hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Till next week, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.